today on Broadway for Tuesday, December 10th, 2019. I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. Hello, James. We have an absolutely packed day today, courtesy of some, let's call it, surprising slash disappointing news. So I want to get to that as soon as possible. First, I am obligated to send you all over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio or broadwayradio.com slash patreon to back us if you haven't had the chance. Tis the season to give, after all. And I don't believe Matt mentioned this week on Broadway from over the weekend, so good time to fill everyone in on what they missed, James. Uh, sure. So on this week on Broadway, we talked about a lot of things, none of them which I remember. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, yeah. I think that. you had, uh... uh Harry, Harry Townsend's, Townsend's Last, Last Stand. Stand. Yeah. That's right. Uh, it was Ms. Trial. That's right. Ms. Trial in oh. the World Stages. Anything Can Happen in Theater, the Musical World of Maury Yeston at the York. The underlying Chris at second stage, one November Yankee at 59 East 59, the Gospel of John. Somebody remembered the whole Gospel of John. Can you believe? Wow. I know, I can't believe it. (laughs) Uh, And then we talked about Netflix's marriage story, which really threw me for a curve because we don't normally talk about film and television with Michael sure. and Peter. We usually talk about it with Matt. Yeah. Um, but uh, Peter and Michael went over to the Paris Theater uh, where Netflix oh, is screening right. The Marriage Story. Yes. Long live the Paris. Yes. And we talked about Ron Lieben's passing. So, uh, yeah. have you seen Marriage Story yet? I haven't yet. I'm really excited about it. Uh, yeah. Peter and Michael so made me very excited. It's, it's another film this year that has... Sondheim in it for some reason. At least one Sondheim song. <laughs> there the we are. Chain. Back to the Sondheim. Yeah, so. it's always one degree of separation for me. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm very excited. I was going to watch it over the weekend and just ran out of time. So hopefully getting to that over the next couple of days might have time while I'm on in the air. I was just going to say that, you know, uh, download that uh, Netflix caching type of thing and uh, take it on the plane with you. Like it. Excited. Something else you could take on the plane with you is uh, Welcome to the Rock, episode three. The boys over Curtain Call have got uh, the new episode of Welcome to the Rock. It'll be be, uh, released on Tuesday afternoon at noontime Eastern... Daylight time? Are we in daylight? We're in daylight, right? Yeah. Mm. Eastern daylight time. Doesn't feel like it. Doesn't feel like it because it's always dark and miserable. Oh, God. You know, I walked like an hour. I walked for an hour in the rain today because I totally, Uh, I like got up. I did not. (laughs) Got up in the morning and I looked and says, oh, it's going to rain today. And that went in one ear and out the other and yeah, just you're like, left I the house. Yeah, you're like, I don't need an umbrella. Just, I don't need uh, an umbrella. I, I can brave the storm. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't leave I feel today. Like I walked. I walked downstairs and about 100 feet to my bodega and then back upstairs and that was the extent of my rainy day. You were like my cats. They uh, meow at the front door and they look outside and turn around and walk away. I am very much like a cat in that way. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. So why don't we get into our news, which was cray-cray today. It was cray-cray, yeah. So first up in the news, 
Beetlejuice is closing. Beetlejuice is The Music closing. Man is incoming at the Winter Garden. Yeah. Well, it seemed of late that Beetlejuice had come back from the dead. Michael Paulson uh. at the New York Times reported that the Tim Burton-inspired musical will play its final performance at the Winter Garden Theater on, just, on June 6, 2020. The musical will close up to make room for the upcoming revival of The Music Man, which, as previously announced, will, be, will begin performances on September. September 9th and star Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster. Tickets for that show, despite having not had a theater, have been on sale since September. <laughs> Still very strange. Don't understand. How it. do you buy? I was thinking about that. How does one buy tickets to that? You're like, not a I'm clue. sitting in row what? A's, and where? Seats. Yeah. Uh, I haven't figured that out yeah. yet. I've been asked about it several times and I can just shrug. But Beetlejuice has been a recent surprise success story, grossing over $1 million in recent weeks, including its record breaking house record over Thanksgiving week. But the Schubert organization is invoking its stop clause, which allows it to oust a show whose grosses fall below an agreed-upon level for two consecutive weeks. The problem is this is a very unusual situation because that happened back in May, and the Schuberts notified Beetlejuice of this back in June. Since then, the musical has had an upturn. A national tour for Beetlejuice is expected to launch in 2021, this is a major shame, James. We've had rumblings about this for a while. If this was going to be the case, a lot of that was when Beetlejuice was in a bit of a downswing. But business is pretty good right now. The show has been that comeback kid surprise story after its wicked Thanksgiving week. I think everyone was pretty surprised today when the news hit because, of course, shows have to be lucrative and make money. But this seems like a... <laughs> really bad business move from the Schubert organization. And the Times article really goes into the full business of it. Warner Brothers theatrical arm reportedly tried to come up with a compromise, pay to relocate to kill a mockingbird to a smaller house that would open up the Schubert for the music man and keep Beetlejuice at the Winter Garden, but nobody could agree on a price tag. So that's obviously not happening. And Rudin, who's producing both the music man and mockingbird very clearly has wanted the winter garden so again it's just a really messy situation and everyone at beetlejuice i think is getting the really short end of the stick here hmm since rudin's on both ends of the stick there uh although the beetlejuice <laughs> there's, per- there's one winner here yeah <laughs> i'm shocked that it's a white man oh uh, yeah <laughs> story story I'm shocked of my about life. that um the Beetlejuice producers, I, I, I can't even imagine. You know, they, they worked yeah. so hard to make this happen uh, against all odds uh, right. after the Tony Awards. Yeah. And they've really pulled it out of the nosedive. Uh, yeah, because again, that uh, stop clause was, they had two bad consecutive weeks in May, so they yeah. were told they were going to have to get out in June. That was either right before or right after the Tonys. I can't remember what the article said. And then, I mean, they've just been on an upturn for the last few months, including that Thanksgiving week that they just had last week. So, I mean, the hope at the moment is that Beetlejuice can relocate to another theater. Obviously, everyone's really hopeful about that. And maybe the Marquee, which as of now will be open when Tootsie leaves next month. 
The problem is that Beetlejuice's set is so elaborate that moving it will be expensive, and they still have to recoup. The show is capitalized at $21 million, which is very unlikely to happen now by June. I think a lot can change in seven months if they keep momentum, which obviously Warner Brothers has already said they're going to try to do, so we'll just have to wait and see. It's just a mess. That's it's a mess. That's just a mess. Did you see Alex Brightman's uh, video, the uh, the official no. video put out by uh, Beetlejuice? Oh, no, I didn't. Um, uh, he, he does it all in character, and he's like, we've been evicted, and he's screaming <laughs> at the screen. And, and he's like, yeah, I only have six months left, but i got to bring the undead back to life. And yeah. It was a very well put together thing, good tongue and cheat. I'm, I'm glad that they're going at it full gusto. Uh, let's... Um, Keep Beetlejuice alive, ironically. Yeah. If I were the producers of Beetlejuice, I would close right now and walk away from the Schuberts and leave their theater empty for six months. <sighs> I still got to pay. <laughs> I still got so much money to pay back. <laughs> well, <laughs> figure it out somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> Stop making money for the Schuberts, you know? Yeah, that's that's always. unfortunate. Co signed always. <laughs> so, uh, tangentially to this, what happened in last week's Broadway Grosses? Yeah, seems as good a time as any to talk about those grosses, James. We're currently in that not quite as sweet spot between Thanksgiving and Christmas. 35 shows brought in $38 million. $331,950 last week, down 8% from the previous week. Attendance was up 1%, however, and the average ticket price fell by $13. Always good to see. The big show to note, though, is Ain't Too Proud, which set a new box office record at the Imperial Theater. The jukebox musical brought in $1,710,068, the highest for any week in the history at the venue. That's amazing. That record was previously held by Billy Elliot, which earned $1,663,895 during a week in January 2010. 14 other productions surpassed that million-dollar mark. Aladdin, American Utopia, Beetlejuice, Come From Away, Dear Evan Hansen, Frozen, Town, Harry Potter, Mean Girls, The Book of Mormon, Tina, the Tina Turner Musical, To Kill a Mockingbird, Tootsie, and Wicked. Two took in over $2 million apiece, Moulin Rouge and The Lion King. And of course, Hamilton was the highest grocer at a whopping $3,060,685. Broadway bid adieu to a pair of revivals last week as Betrayal and The Rose Tattoo closed up shop on December 8th. Both shows finished out their runs on at least slightly higher than usual grosses, with Betrayal up 14.77% from the week before, and The Rose Tattoo up 0.37%. The biggest falls in the grosses this week, unfortunately, were Beetlejuice down over 513000 and surprisingly Frozen down 442000 those numbers are a bit misleading as Beetlejuice brought in 82.18% of its gross potential and was over capacity. They're obviously coming off that aforementioned record-breaking week last week where they were over 120% of their gross potential. Hmm. And Frozen's gross potential was up 9% from the previous week from 90.43 to 99.42%. 
On the low end of the boards were The Lightning Thief, Slava's Snow Show, Slave Play, The Illusionist, Magic of the Holidays, The Sound Inside, The Inheritance, and Darren Brown, colon, Secret, all bringing in under 60% of their gross potential, and with The Lightning Thief bringing in the lowest grosses for the week at just over 296,000. So obviously, James, we talked about the business of Beetlejuice already. It'll be really interesting to see what happens to their numbers, both this week as well as over the holidays when we just saw such bananas numbers over Thanksgiving. Ain't Too Proud's numbers just really incredible and obviously record-breaking. The very clear star of the week and continuously great to see their success. The other side of that is The Inheritance, which their grosses were up this week, but they're still only pulling in 54.82% of their potential. I'm sure they are incredibly surprised over there, especially with how well they did across the pond. Not really sure how they're going to sustain in the coming months. I was, I was, I was glad, I'm glad you brought up the inheritance because mm-hmm. I have not seen one bad review for the inheritance and I've not spoken to anybody. Bad who, review? I haven't seen any bad reviews. I don't know about bad reviews. I've seen very middle of the road reviews and I've seen especially queer critics and journalists say this is a very whitewashed story. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Huh. So, um, I still uh, haven't seen it yet. I was really excited about seeing it. It's very difficult for me these days to go see a two part play in any capacity. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But after reading those initial reviews from a lot of the critics and journalists I follow, um, Christian Lewis and Lewis Peitzman, people like that, uh, it hasn't really enthused me as much as I was initially when it was announced. Uh, Lewis over at BuzzFeed, but he's gone from BuzzFeed. No right? longer so, yeah. yeah he does but- He does his own, he does freelancing and then does his own. Uh, I, I think his was on a newsletter. I can't really remember. Okay. Yeah, Lewis Peitzman's a really, really great, insightful critic. Yep, absolutely. Really wonderful. I, I, that's, that's, that's a real negative that BuzzFeed kind of backed away from theater critic. Never forget. (laughs) Be better forever as a, uh, as a journalist in the arts sphere of what publications continually do to arts journalists. All right, let's move on to the next thing, which is the Broadway Star Score nominations for this year's Golden Globe yeah. Awards. Nominations were announced on Monday morning for the 77th annual Golden Globes Awards, and several Broadway favorites were recognized this year for their work on screen. Among the nominees include Cynthia Erivo for Best Performance by an Actress in a Motion Picture Drama, for her performance as Harriet Tubman and Harriet, fellow... Uh, Broadway star Scarlett Johansson joins her in the category for the aforementioned marriage story, as does Charlize Theron, Saoirse Ronan, and Renee Zellweger for embodying Judy Garland in Judy. Tony nominee Adam Driver was also nominated for his performance in Marriage Story. 
The category Best Performance by an Actor in a Motion Picture Drama also includes Tony winner Jonathan Price and Tony nominee Antonio Banderas. Of course, the most stacked category was Best Original Song with five Tony winners penning four of the songs, including Andrew Lloyd Webber for Katz's Beautiful Ghosts, Elton John for Rocket Man's I'm Gonna Love Me Again, Bobby and Kristen Lopez for Frozen 2's Into the Unknown, and Arrivo for Harriet's Stand Up. On the television side, Ben Platt scored his first Emmy nomination, or TV nomination, Golden Globe nomination for The Politician. Further, the nominees include Billy Porter, of course, Helen Mirren, Brian Cox, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, and Michelle Williams. The 2020 Golden Globes will air on NBC on January 5th. We'll post the full list of nominees in the show notes. Obviously, a great year for stage performers and creators, especially in that best original song category. Not generally a great year for women creators in film, but the Golden Globes are typically unsurprising that way, unfortunately, when it comes to directors and writers. All right. Uh, and next we have Tony Goldwyn to join The Inheritance, but yes. temporarily. Just so temporarily. Will, will he bring up the grosses there? <laughs> Who's to say? We'll find out soon, I guess. Yeah, wrapping up yesterday's big news day over at the Barrymore, it was announced that Broadway alum and TV star Tony Goldwyn will temporarily take over for John Benjamin Hickey in The Inheritance beginning January 5th. This is so Hickey can go make his Broadway directing debut this spring with the revival of Plaza Suite starring Sarah Jessica Parker and Matthew Broderick. He'll take a four-month leave of absence as the show is scheduled to open on April 13th at the Hudson Theater following an out-of-town engagement in Boston in February. Goldwyn was last seen on Broadway in Network opposite Brian Cranston and has previously appeared in revivals of Promises, Promises, and Holiday. So yeah, we'll have to see what uh, happens to those grosses past January 5th when he comes in. All right, what do we have in the recommendation section? couple of quick reads for your Tuesday morning. First up, Broadway News and Broadway Briefing named this year's Show Person of the Year, unsurprisingly and very deservedly. It was slave play creator Jeremy O'Harris. The award, which has been given out since 2015, goes to, quote, the person or persons who most influenced Broadway this year. Previous recipients have been Lin-Manuel Miranda, Pasek and Paul, Bette Midler, and last year Sonia Friedman. Jake Gyllenhaal penned the essay for uh, O'Harris writing. Jeremy O'Harris knows how to get our attention, but he also knows what to do with it. With searing clarity and real courage, Harris has taken the bright light shining on him and turned it back onto the theater establishment itself. Definitely check that out and always here for the year of Jeremy O'Harris. The other recommendation comes from the New York Times as we continue our best of the year coverage. The piece is Best Performances of 2019, which covers the best of stage, screen, and more. Theater performances included in that are Beth Level for The Prom, Amber Gray in Town, Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Andrew Scott on Fleabag, Randy Rainbow, and more. I agree with all of those, which is a very rare occurrence. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, the New York Times uh, reminding us that we have to get on our lists. We have to uh, Yeah, we do, do need, we really need to do that. I, yes. And I just saw, I had kind of had my list made up, 
before this weekend, and then I t- saw two amazing shows in a row. So now I got to go back and edit. <laughs> All right. Oh man. <laughs> what do we have in other news? Yeah, let's quickly run through some brief news items, James. Both across the pond. In the UK, the cast is set for the debut of Joe Iconis' Be More Chill, which will play London's The Other Palace beginning in February. Scott Follin will lead the cast as Jeremy, with Blake Patrick Anderson playing Michael. Renee Lamb and Millie O'Connell, who were most recently in Six, will also star with Miracle Chance, Stuart Clark, Eloise Davies, and more. Be More Chill will begin performances on February 12th. Stephen Brackett will once again direct. And also over in the UK, the London Palladium concert productions of The Secret Garden have announced their starring cast. Ramin Karimloo, Lucy Jones, and Jack Guerra will lead the two performances, which will be staged on April 4th at 3 and 7.30 p.m. Nick Winston will direct. Additional casting will be announced shortly, and tickets can be purchased online at lwtheaters.co.uk. Love, love The Secret Garden, James. Jealous of everyone who will get to see that in April. Yeah, you know, we talked, uh, was it almost two years ago or so? They had that one-night-only really? concert at Secret Garden. And, oh, yeah, yeah. And there was over, I think it was Lincoln Center or something like that. And, and then uh, the rumored revival that we're at some point supposed to get, if yeah. that ever Secret happens. Secret Garden, Titanic, Tommy, year. all these other... <laughs> it seems when, like it's when the 90s. Theaters, when theaters free up that, you know, the Schuberts don't kick... productions out of yeah exactly (laughs) all right ashley why don't you get us out of here all right thank you for listening to today on broadway be sure to head over to patreon.com slash broadway radio or broadwayradio.com slash patreon to back us if you haven't already also head over to your podcasting platform of choice as well as facebook to leave us a review if you're so inclined to share the love you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No This Is Ashley. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Tuesday with us, and Matt and I will be back to talk with you tomorrow. Yes, indeed. 